In today's podcast, I want to go a bit old school and talk about the significance that the cross of Jesus Christ and the empty grave has for each of us today. This podcast is not meant to be a theological dissertation, but just some thoughts from the heart of a grateful son. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. I'm Lee Whitman from Restoring the Foundations, and today's verse for this podcast is Hebrews 12.2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, many years ago, I led a men's prayer meeting at the church where I was a pastor on staff. There were about 15 guys who would gather at 6 a.m. on Friday mornings to pray for an hour and then go to Mrs. Winters and eat chicken biscuits. Somehow prayer and chicken biscuits just went together. On this particular morning, it was Good Friday of the Easter week, and I sensed that we should take communion together, which was not something we normally did during our prayer times. As I began leading the taking of communion, I got a vivid picture of Jesus on the cross, and I began describing it to them. Uh, Now, this was before the movie The Passion of the Christ had come out, so what I was seeing was shocking to me. As I described the picture that I saw, the Holy Spirit fell on me and on many of the men in that room, and we wept uncontrollably. What Jesus went through on the cross for you and for me is hard to comprehend. I weep even now as I write this to think that Jesus would endure such a brutal death on the cross for me. It's beyond humbling. Now, without being too graphic, I'd like to describe the picture that I was given that day so many years ago because it still impacts me when thinking about the crucifixion of Christ today. The people who killed Jesus were known for being barbaric in their form of crucifixion. The person being crucified was treated as a non-human. No human decency was offered to the accused. They were stripped naked, paraded through the public streets on their way to the crucifixion, in order that the citizens of the city could offer their insults and often show their disdain by striking or spitting on the accused. And in Jesus' case, he had been beaten by a scourge, which is a whip consisting of a rope with metal balls, bones, and metal spikes embedded on the ends. So when the whip made contact with Jesus' back, his flesh would have been ripped off his body. Many scholars believe that Jesus was beaten so badly that he would have been unrecognizable. Now, something else that is not often found in the artistic depictions of Jesus' crucifixion is that it was probably not done on the top of a hill. More than likely, he would have been crucified on a street level along a busy road. The idea was to publicly humiliate the accused in front of all of his peers. So here is Jesus, beaten beyond recognition, stripped naked, nailed to a cross on street level, so that people could continue to hit him and spit on him. You know, the singer Michael W. Smith wrote a song 
called Above All that describes Jesus' crucifixion. Let me quote from this song. It says, Crucified, laid behind a stone, you live to die, rejected and alone. Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. Jesus went through all of that for you and me. He took the fall and thought of you above all. He was thinking of you and me while on the cross. He was thinking about more than just getting us to heaven when we leave this earth. As wonderful as that will be, he knew that through his death, he was paving a way for you and me to have an abundant life here on this earth. The benefits of heaven don't begin when you die and leave this life. The benefits that Jesus bought for us begin right here, right now. Now, I want to quote from Luke 4, chapter 16 through 21, because it describes Jesus' earthly ministry. Let me read it to you, and then we'll talk about it. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So let's start by looking at verse 21. And then we're going to back up to the other verses. In verse 21, Jesus is telling us that this passage describes his ministry. This is Jesus' mission statement. Yes, he came to earth to go to the cross and die, a horrible death for us, so that we will one day live with him in eternity. But he also came to do much more than just get us into heaven. He came so that we can experience his healing and freedom here on this earth. I think at times we shortchange the work of Jesus when we just focus on getting to heaven when we die. He came to give us eternal life that begins here the moment we come into this new relationship with him. The evidence of this new eternal life are the effects we can experience in the here and now. So now let's back up to verse 18 where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, poverty is oftentimes something that runs in families. It's something that's, in a lot of ways, inherited. Poverty is not just the lack of money, but it's a mindset that locks one into poverty. And when you understand the spiritual roots that are passed down through one's bloodline, then you can see how poverty goes from generation to generation. Jesus came to break that generational pressure through his death on the cross. When we apply the finished work of Christ on the cross to a generational curse, the curse is broken and removed from the family bloodline. The curse stops right here, right now. The second thing we see in verse 18 is that Jesus was sent to heal the brokenhearted. I don't know about you, but I love this part of Jesus' mission statement. Why? Because in this life, we're going to get our hearts broken. 
we're going to get hurt by things that happened to us or things that didn't happen to us that we thought should have happened. I'm sure you probably know this, but when you're in leadership, you have many opportunities to have your heart wounded by things that people say and do, even in wonderful Christian ministries. You know, I was fired from the first church that I worked at. I was not given a reason for my termination, just that in two weeks, we were to be gone. We had been the youth pastors for three years and had developed some very deep relationship with our kids, yet we were told that we were not to talk to any of the youth before we left. Did this hurt? You bet. But I invited Jesus into that wounded place, and I poured out my hurt and pain to him. It was amazing how he came and healed my broken heart. That's part of Jesus' mission statement. The third thing Jesus came to do from verse 18 is to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. I believe this speaks to how Jesus takes our ungodly beliefs that blind us to the truth and hold us in bondage and replaces them with his truth which sets us free. Lies hold us in bondage but the truth sets us free. It's amazing how these lies we believe can hold us in bondage, and we don't even know it. You see, many of the lies we believe have been with us for so long that they feel like the truth to us. I grew up with one older brother and one older sister. They both did very well in school. In fact, my sister was the valedictorian of her high school graduating class. I, on the other hand, struggled in school. You know, my sister never got a B in all of her schooling. (laughs) My parents celebrated the one time I got a B. I didn't read very well early on in school. Even though the school never came out and said this is the good readers group and this is the slow readers group, it did not take a rocket scientist to know that there was a rabbit reading group and there was the turtle reading group. And I was in the turtle reading group. So I began to put several of these things together and came up with a belief that I'm just not very smart. Well, to be totally honest, the ungodly belief was that I'm stupid. This lie had me in bondage for many years. There were things I would not even try to do because I knew I wasn't smart enough. So what changed this belief for me was going to seminary. (laughs) Not in the way you think it is. Let me finish. At the age of 28 years old, I loaded my wife and two children at that time into a moving van and moved to Dallas, Texas so I could attend seminary. For the first time in my life, I felt called to be in ministry, so I took my education very seriously. And because I didn't think I was very smart, I worked hard in order to be successful. I actually graduated seminary with an A- average. I don't know that I ever received an A in high school or college because I didn't think I could do it. But in seminary, I worked hard and saw the results and realized, you know what? I'm not stupid. The fourth thing that Luke 4.18 says about Jesus' mission is that he came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppression from our enemy is actually a normal part of the Christian life. The enemy will first try to keep people from accepting Christ as their Savior, But once they enter into a relationship with Jesus, he will use any and all opportunities open to him to keep them from maturing and fulfilling the purposes of God for their lives. He gains the legal right to oppress believers 
when they give him the right to be a part of their life through undealt with generational iniquity in their bloodline, or through believing ungodly beliefs, or when they have unhealed wounds. Now, once all three of those legal rights are removed by applying the incredible work of Christ on the cross, then commanding the enemy to leave is not a difficult process. In RTF, we base that deliverance from the demonic oppression on two things, the finished work of Christ on the cross and your authority as a believer. Those are two things the enemy cannot argue with. They are irrefutable. As you can see just from these thoughts about the work of Christ on the cross, there is so much more that Jesus wants to do in us than just get us into heaven. Accepting God's gift of Jesus as our Savior is just the beginning. That's what allows us to enter into the glorious riches of a total of a totality of having a relationship with Father God through his son Jesus. Jesus wants to enable us to begin experiencing the glories of heaven while we're still here on earth. So you might be asking, what was that about the empty tomb? You know, in in April, we took a group of RTF family and friends to Israel. On the last day we were in Israel, we visited the garden tomb. And guess what? It's empty. Why is that important? When things in this life don't make sense, or when it's hard for us to see what God is doing in a certain situation, we can look to the empty tomb as evidence that God is faithful. For you see, according to Romans 8, 11, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you to give life to your mortal body. So even when you don't see what God is doing, know that he is faithfully at work, giving you the power you need to live this life. And the empty tomb is proof of his goodness. So Father God, thank you. Thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you that he suffered a horrible, painful death so that we can live an abundant life. He came to give us so much more than just access to heaven, which is amazing and wonderful all by itself. But he came to bring heaven to earth so that we can begin to experience the glories of heaven while we're still in this life. So, Father, I ask that you would touch each person that's listening to this podcast today. If there's any places where they have unbelief, where ungodly beliefs have crept in, Lord, show them what they are so that they can deal with those and be set free. Lord, if there's any generational pressure from their families that has come down through their bloodline that's holding them back, Father, reveal that. Show them those places so they can be set free. And Lord, any wounded places, Jesus is so good at bringing healing to our broken hearts. So we surrender ourselves to you, Lord, and we ask right now, I ask that you would touch each one of us. Give us a glimpse of heaven coming to earth in our lives today. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.